our heritage from the Lord. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Abolish Abortion Missouri podcast, where we believe children are a heritage from the Lord, and we are working toward the immediate and total abolition of abortion in Missouri. I'm your host, Brandon. This is episode 19, and uh, we've got a crowd. <laughs> we've got a crowd today uh, on, on our podcast here, and, and so I uh, want to introduce everybody so so joshua jenkins and kevin myers are back with us again and so guys i'm really appreciative that you you guys just <laughs> are so flexible i basically say hey you, you want to do this uh you know this week and you guys usually are able to make that work and that's a that's really i'm really appreciative of that when uh i know we've ever, we've all got busy schedules so so thank you guys for, and for being regulars too thank you for that absolutely amen i had to do it but we are also we are also joined uh, today by Stefan Albin, uh, and uh, he is a, a local pastor up in the Kansas City area, helping us uh, in the fight against abortion. So, Stefan, we're really really glad to have you on today as well. Thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, really uh, really excited to be here with you guys. So one thing that and, I uh, to... uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to jump in and say real quick too. Stefan is also part of our pastors committee. Uh, for abolish abortion Missouri, so that's right, indeed. Yeah, so so yeah, definitely helping us helping us fight, not and and even doing so in an official capacity. Which um, you know, this is a small it's a small thing. You know, we're a small organization in a lot of ways still. But I tell you what, um, we are uh, an organization dedicated to an incredibly hot button topic and issue. And even just even just serving on a pastoral committee for that for our organization. Uh, can still paint a target on your back. So it takes a lot of guts to do that. And, and we really appreciate that. Uh, anybody who is willing to do that, we really appreciate. So you too, Stefan, for sure. Man. What um I, what I'd like to do, well, first, actually, let me back up. So Stefan, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, you know, yeah. you, a little bit even of just what you were sharing before we we got started here. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so like you said, I'm a pastor here in the Kansas City, Missouri area. I pastor Strasburg Baptist Church in Strasburg, Missouri. Um, I live here with my wife, Rebecca, and our four kids. And I went to Midwestern, so up in Kansas City for seminary. And I got involved with Abolish Abortion Missouri um, two or three years ago when I ran into Wes Grogan's. I think it was at the Southern Baptist Convention and um, ran into him at a few other places. And uh, yeah, he got me plugged in here and involved and really excited to be part of this. I think it's an important topic, an important issue that all Christians need to be informed on and need to be speaking into. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and remind me, you, you were saying something about how uh, you didn't know that there was such a thing as a difference between pro-life and abolition. You've just always yeah. been an abolitionist. Talk, talk a little bit about like, like how you ended up realizing that there's this kind of unfortunate divide. Sure. Um, I think like a lot of Christians, I just assumed that the pro-life movement was um, genuine, was solid on the. Yeah, it was genuine. Yeah, they understood the issues at hand and understood that um, the life in the womb is a fully human life from conception. And some of the more recent developments within the pro-life movement seems to suggest something different. Um, the, the, the idea that there are not equal protections for the unborn, that, that, that there should be some other standard for them. Um, that was a surprise for me. And I'd say, again, this probably around the time when I ran into West, which was providential, but, uh, yeah, two, three years ago, finding out that there are Christians that 
Yeah, that, that thought that it wasn't part of the legal or it shouldn't be part of the legal code that mothers or fathers who are willingly partaking in the murder of their children shouldn't be convicted for murder. Right. right. So, um, yeah, that was a shock to me. And as the bifurcation began within the pro-life movement, it was just it seemed natural to me uh, to be on the side of abolition. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it, it, it does. It seems so uh, straightforward and plain. And uh, and yet we, we find ourselves constantly uh, getting pushback. And then just every time, yeah. you know, in spite of the fact that, that we've seen this so many times, every time I'm still uh, staggered that there's pushback on what should be so basic and so simple uh, matters of, of holiness and justice and uh, inequality, and things like that. So. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's it, yeah, it was a similar a similar thing for me where it was this disenfranchisement with uh, the 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 pro life world, um, because yeah, come to find out it had it had never been uh, or at least you know for so long it had not been what uh, I believed it was, and uh, you know pro life politicians yeah. were not working toward what I believed they were working toward. And it really left me kind of disenfranchised yeah. and was so grateful uh, here in Missouri to find AAMO as well and to be able to be involved in, in in my little ways that I am as well. So what I'd like to do then today, uh, all of you guys are pastors, and something that we talk about a lot at AAMO is that it is it is pastors who are charged with the education and discipleship of, of local churches. And so if, if we see a failure of church members to understand abolition, then while we can hold each, each person individually accountable, amen and amen, we also have to turn to the pastors and say, why? Why is this like this? Why have we, we had this uh, state of affairs that's risen up where we have so many people who don't understand these these principles? And so... I wanted to talk today about how to disciple our, our, you know, people in general, but especially how do we as pastors disciple people in our churches uh, with uh, the the principles of abolition. I, uh, I I've shared this one other time on this podcast. I served as a pastor uh, at a, another church for a while, and uh, was was. Uh, pretty unceremoniously fired. Um, and one of the biggest reasons uh, listed for why I was being fired was because of my print, my standpoint, my stand on, uh, on abortion and abolition. Uh, and it was shocking to me that that had happened. And I, so, so uh, it kind of came out of left field when that happened. And I've spent so much time looking back and saying, you know, what could I have done differently? How could I have done a better job? Did I did I fail in some way? Was I overly harsh? Was I just not bold enough? And and um, I don't want to automatically think that uh, because I got fired, it must mean I did something right. You know, uh, in that in that tragic situation. Um, just as I don't want to automatically assume I did something wrong, because we do know that sometimes you know guys are going to stand up for the truth and and uh, they're going to get hated for it. So. Uh, as I have that kind of in my background, what are some things that you guys have um, experienced or, or put into practice or, or things that you've seen that have, have been successful in pastoral ministry and, and teaching and discipling about abolition? That's really what I want to talk about. And I'd like to just basically ask you guys to to just riff on that for a while. I'd like to hear what each of you guys have done, what's worked, what hasn't, 
um, and uh, and try to share that wisdom in a way that we can then give to to any any listener, not just other pastors. Well, I would say uh, I'll go ahead and start and say that at our church, where Brandon and I both are pastors that together, Hope Baptist Church, we've had we're just very blessed with um, a group of guys, most of the men, most all the men of our church are very theologically sound or at least very much involved in having rich theological discussions. And so I think one of the things that benefits has benefited our church in this area is just the fact that so many of these issues like the issue of abolition and how to deal with abortion and things gets just hammered out in hours of guys just talking and debating each other and arguing and going back to the scriptures and things like that. And so whenever uh, I was first becoming an abolitionist and realizing that there is this other position than the general pro-life position, it was uh, the Babies Are Murdered Here documentary that I watched years ago. And... um, we had very early on had a we showed that film to our church at uh, outside of our church worship and uh, there's some other things i think we did as well but there was lots of conversations and that we continue to have over the over the months and years about the issue and so i think it's really helpful all to say i think it's really helpful or it has been for us and i think it would be in other church settings if you can create a church culture where the men are are used to talking and debating with each other over these issues so that when it gets time to stand up and preach on these things, it's not like you're just out of left field hitting someone across the head with something they've never heard of with a, with a position they've never heard of. That helps uh, because it makes people not feel blindsided Um if you've had many discussions previous to you standing up in the pulpit and preaching on it. So um, I think that's just one thing that we've really benefited from on a number of different issues at our church, but particularly this one. Amen. Kevin, what would you say some things uh, or Stefan, either one, what would see, what would you guys say would be some things that you guys have, have uh, seen and, and, you know, uh, this is, you know, in, in my situation, you know, when I look at it, you know, with that other church uh, that um, where I got fired, uh, one of the things that I look at is, well, I certainly didn't have uh, that church did not have the culture there. And, and uh, uh, even while I was trying to foster it, it was not going very well. So maybe even not only what are some successes you've had, but what are some challenges that you guys see as pastors in trying to help people uh, through this issue? Well, I'd say in part uh, that one of the difficulties in churches in general is that there are times when we feel that there are uh, people who have certain specialties so that if someone has a has an has a heart to engage for the preborn, then many times a church will say, well, then you should connect with this pro-life group. You should get involved with these, with this organization that's already engaging, hey, you know, Missourians for Life or Missouri Right for Life, hey, whatever group that is doing something, you should go and learn how 
to how to deal with that, how to oppose abortion from them because they're the experts. Um, it, it seems that like so many other other sectors of life, people will say, well, I need to go see a specialist about this rather than say, let's go to the word of God and see what does God say about this? What are his precepts? What are his principles? What is the position and what is the practice that God's people are to take in response to child sacrifice? And so a lot of people, it seems, have been farmed out to say, well, we're going to go to this humanitarian group and they're going to tell us how the best way to change people's minds about abortion is, or we're going to go to that group and find out what bills are being put forward so that we can just jump on the wagon and do whatever they're doing. And I have been to uh, some trainings uh, of pro-life groups where they've taught, and these are uh, many times uh, Christians who are involved in the training, and non-Christians are involved in the training, and they have said, hey, if you're a Christian, notice that in this whole conversation that we just played out for you, we didn't even talk about the Bible. See, so you don't have to go here. In fact, it's best if you wait to bring up the gospel or things that are spiritual, unless the person that you're talking with brings up spiritual things. Stefan, any any thoughts, you know, on, you know, so... Uh... Some good things for sure, you know, uh, yeah. especially as pastors, we want to drive people back to the word of God. Um, we really want to encourage, we really want to encourage uh, community and discussion and, and openness with being able to, to uh, all of us sit down with the Bible in front of us and say, whatever this, even if we disagree, whatever this says, we want to go for it. What are some other things, either things that you've encountered that have been uh, challenging or, you know, things that you've encountered that have been real blessings in, in this, as you've been kind of trying to work through it the last few years. Yeah. Um, I just want to piggyback on what these other brothers have said already. Um, cause I'm right in line with that, that as we well know, equal rights is, uh, the consistent flow of a pro-life movement, right? It's, it's a consistent pro-life movement ends with the conclusion of equal rights. And that's that's a consistent biblical theology as well. And so one of the challenges that we face, I think, is a muddying of the waters uh, where the pro-life movement is seen as um, maybe more broad than dealing with abortion. You've seen that uh, in different, both on the liberal side and on the conservative side where yeah. the pro-life movement is expanded and they try to say, well, what about this cause? What about this injustice? And and they fill it up um, and it kind of dilutes the, it dilutes the message. And the point is there's only one group of people in this country that can be killed legally, right? right. Uh, we're, we're talking about the unborn. That <laughs> That is the cause that should be the message, but that's again, being diluted. And so, I think what we have to do is confront that, confront that that concept that is kind of suggesting that something less than equal rights is okay, right? If if well this if this cause is included in in this movement and that cause is included in this movement, well then maybe this isn't 
an issue of life or death. Maybe it's something, you know, more general. But no, we have to confront that and we have to confront it uh, with biblical truth, like Kevin was saying. Or we have to use the scriptures to um, clarify our language, to clarify our movement. Um, we have to define things. And so where the waters have been, in many cases, intentionally muddied, we need to draw our people back to consistency with the word and with what God has said on these issues. And so uh, I just think biblical truth breaks through those kinds of things. Um, so that's that's important. As Again, as Kevin was saying, going back to the scriptures to clarify our thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, uh, another thing that, that I think we're touching on, and and uh, I'd love to know what you guys think about this. Uh, what so some of this comes down to the, the nature of both our preaching ministry uh, as pastors and and what we might call our, our in the trenches, right? In the trenches ministry, the stuff that happens Monday to Saturday uh, or, or or Sundays at, at one, you know, to, all the way to, to, to the next Sunday sure. at 9 a.m. or whatever, basically everything else. And uh, we we want to have kind of both of those aspects of our ministry um, employed for any righteous causes that we, that you know for the truth of the gospel for for the the attacks on 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 family and 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 also on uh, abortion and and I th I think I'd be interested to know what you all think I I think we're we're kind of moving past at least at least um, a, a large swath of of this more conservative evangelical. Uh, side of the Christian world, we're, we're moving kind of past like the, the we we always I grew up hearing you know we can't get political we can't we can't call out um, the evils of of some tyrannical overreach in the government like you know transgender surgery for minors you know we can't call that out in the pulpit because we've then all of a sudden gotten uh, political and and I think that a reclamation of the sufficiency of Scripture. And uh, its applicability to all of life, and the the desire to have uh, really really word centered applicational preaching has been a, a benefit, I would say, to overcoming some of that. So how how do you guys try to both kind of from your preaching ministry and from uh, that in the trenches ministry, how do you guys try to address abortion and an equal protection and the lack of, of justice, true justice in our society. How do you address those things in either of those mediums? Does that, is a, does the question make sense? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if I could butcher a, a Kuiper quote, there's Abraham Kuiper who said, there's not one iota of creation that Christ does not scream mine. Right. Absolutely. And so as a pastor, for someone to tell me, hey, you cannot apply the word of God to this particular issue. I think it's ridiculous, right? We we have to apply all of Christ to all of life. We, we have to speak Amen. into issues, political, personal. I mean, we have to speak into all issues using the word of God because it applies to all of God because everything belongs to God. Right. Amen. Yeah, and I would just say it totally, totally agree with that. And uh, one practical way of how to go about it, and one thing that I've tried to do is, is we want to be expository preachers. And yet, if we only ever just preach 
without applying the word to what our people are dealing with in our day and age, then we're uh, we're not we're we're being pretty cowardly or irrelevant or a number of other things. So I think for balance sake is we need to be expository preachers so that we're not being these hobby horse preachers that get up and just preach on a topic every week. But every time we preach the word of God, we have to then apply it to our present day and the things our, our people are dealing with. And so just in your preaching, what I'm trying to say is just be clear on this is what the word of God says, and this is how the word of God applies to these five issues or these relevant issues that we're going through right now. So that would, I think, be a good way to be balanced and be faithful to God's word and yet not shying away from the things of today that need to be spoken uh, to. Yeah, that's, yes, that's certainly. Really good. Kevin, did you have something on that as well? Um, sure. Uh, so, for instance, I'm, I'm preaching through Ephesians right now. And I've come up to um, Ephesians 5, 9, and 10, and is speaking about we are to, we were sometimes darkness, but now are we light in the Lord. We are to walk as children of light in verse 8, and, and now we're going into verse 10, which is proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And so it's, it, is, it behooves us as children of light to, to be proving, evaluating, and and you know identifying what is acceptable to god and that is in every area of life and so to take that and say if we took a a, a pro life bill and we see how does it what does it say about the preborn well, how does it treat the preborn how does it treat the murder of the preborn would this bill be acceptable unto the lord and then the, going into the next verse, it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, ex bring, expose that, shine light on the uh, on those unfruitful works to say, no, this is an iniquitous decree. And Christians are to be going by what is acceptable to God, not by what is thought attainable by man, not by what is the gotten the approval of the of the pro-life professionals. And so we should we should weigh things out, and then as, so as we're going through the scriptures, there are going to be things that, like uh, Joshua was saying, will have applications to what we are facing today in the in our society, and bring it bring the truth into conflict with the culture of death and with the culture of compromise. And so there are there are there are God's word is profitable for doctrine, for approval, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and we can wield the word in this day. So we yield to it, and then we wield it um, in uh, in our present day, in this uh, in this generation. And so when we take a look at the abomination of abortion, how do we deal with this? Well, let's make sure that while we're doing this, that we're not just doing what's, what, um, what some groups are going to say, yeah, this is the right way to do it. Or this is going to do something, but rather say, let's do what is acceptable unto the Lord. So that when we turn to God and say, this is what we're doing, um, establish thou the work of our hands. We're not saying, hey, Lord, we're lifting up um, our hands for you to bless what we're seeking to do. And yet have God say, your hands are full of blood. I can't bless that. 
That's really, yeah, that's really good. And, and I don't, <clears throat> I don't know if you came up with that, you know, yield to the word and then wield uh, the word, but I'm going to steal that. As far really as good. I know I have, but <laughs> go ahead and use it freely. I received freely. I yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm stealing, I'm stealing that. Cause, uh, cause that, that's very, very good. You know, I, you know, everything that's been said so far, I felt like could be summarized and we want to create a culture in our churches. And, and so then downstream from that, every, every abolitionist should want to create a culture in their friendships and the discipleship relationships of yielding to the word and then wielding it. Yeah. And that's really, that's really, really good. And, uh, and that kind of encapsulates a lot of it. So um, I think another, uh, another piece of this too, you know, when we're talking about uh, getting in the trenches um, building this culture of, of yielding and wielding, uh, building a culture of just uh, especially, uh, you know, men who will get together and work through these things, groups of people who will get together and work through these things, try to try to think uh, deeply about them. Um, one thing that uh, is also tangential to all this is just that I think pastors have to teach political theory. You know, that's something that, that again, is, has been kind of fallen by the wayside. But if, if you guys have all kind of hinted at that, that Martin Luther quote, you know, if we, if we speak to all the evils except for the ones of our day, we've, we've failed. Well, we'll um, you know, we're, we're in a, a you know, a Rex Lex society, and that's where we've been for so long. And, and it is the biggest evil of our day. It's just the government overreach and tyranny that's now – uh you know with with abortion and then and then getting even worse with with the way that they're willing to mutilate our children um uh without our consent even at times all of these egregious things that are happening taking it you know just further and further and further i really think that another piece of of how we pastorally work people through or walk people through abolition is is to try to help them get a robust understanding of what the Bible says about politics and, and government role and jurisdiction and things like that. Um, are those, are those things that you guys try to work through and touch on in your churches? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that, uh, that there is a lack of understanding in many of these issues, uh, politics being one of them, uh, culture building, those sorts of things that you, that didn't always that wasn't always the case right mm -hmm. that there was a time when christians were solid on this right um they were the central voices speaking into this and so um we need to stop being complacent as the church and we need to start teaching what god has said about these things and so um christ is lord over the civil sphere he, he is and so we need to proclaim his truth to governing officials we need to uh living in a uh, representative of a republic where we can actually vote. We need to uh, proclaim this truth to our congregation, to people, so they can act in the civil sphere. Um, we've essentially abandoned the civil sphere as a church. Mm -hmm. I, we, we said, oh, that's that's not in our wheelhouse. That's not what the church uh, does. Um, and as a result, what's happened is we've just kind of given over to whatever secular version of um, government or culture is out there right we said well it's a secular sphere so why not let it be secular and that's wrong we we have to go back to the scriptures to see what god has said about these things again because uh god is lord over the civil sphere 
just as he is Lord over the family, just as he is Lord of the church. And um, yeah, I think that's important for Christians to understand once again. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Joshua or Kevin, I, I, I thought I heard one of you guys say something uh, right about the same time. Were one of you guys going to step in as well? Could... Yeah, I was just going to say, you mentioned uh, asking about pastors and uh, talking about political theory and teaching political theory. And uh, one thing that you can do to do that is just preach to the book of Exodus and you'll be forced to deal with it, <laughs> which uh, we're doing at our church right now. So, I mean, right off the bat, you're hit with the issue of there's a decree from Pharaoh to kill all the boys that are two years old, throw them in the Nile, the Hebrew boys. And we are we see the great example of the Hebrew midwives who interposed to protect those the lives of those uh, Hebrew boys against Pharaoh the king because they feared God uh, more. And so um, that's, you know, if you just preach through books of the Bible, one Exodus is a great one, then you're going to have to deal with it at some point or else you're not faithfully working through God's word and explaining it to your people. So, um, yeah. Yes, it's really good. Yeah, just also, put yourself in the frustrating position of having to preach through a book that's going to demand that from you. That's really good. What were you going to say? Right. Well, I was, I was, you had brought up the point of, of being in the trenches. And I remember when I first started going to the abortion mills back in you know, 2006, around there. And it was just a brother in Christ and myself. And we were down in Florida and had a pastor, uh, not a pastor, a police officer come up to us and say, really, abortion must not be a big issue for Christians because Pensacola is full of Christians. You're the only two here. Yeah. And that really broke our hearts that that was the message that the world was getting because the church wasn't wasn't being salt and light in that respect that because of the absence, the silence, and the negligence of thousands of Christians in this city, the world thought, so it must not really be a big deal. You all say that it's murder, but none of you are here. None of you are acting as if children are actually being murdered. And that just was used to stir us to, to quickly call our brothers and sisters to the battle to say, we know when they're being murdered. We know where they're being murdered. Come join us and shine the gospel at the gates of death. And just challenging our brothers and sisters, come and see what it's like. Come and let it arm your prayers from here on out. Come and then bring this up and talk about it with each other. And Eventually, we had maybe half a dozen Christians out there every every Friday morning when they did the murdering. And then the pastor of our church came. He started coming out regularly to the gates of death. And at that point, the flock followed. At that point, suddenly, we never had a week that was less than 30 people at the gates of death. Even if he wasn't able to be there, there were loads of people from, from the church who said, I'm going to be there. And then people from other churches 
um, started to to come over as well. And eventually, now that abortion mill is an empty lot. And I, and so I I see that when when the pastor didn't just say, you know what, Kevin, that that's a good thing to do. I'm glad that you're going out there. But when he actually went himself, then that practically led the people in seeing and saying, yes, this is worth doing. This is worth being active in. And it led the, the body to those final lines. And so I would, I would really encourage pastors to not just preach about abolition um, because that is needed and necessary, but then to yourself go to the gates and see what how what is going on. Open thy mouth for the dumb and the cause of all such as are pointed to destruction. And then when you actually are speaking to the sheep, you will have been there. You will have seen the women go in. You will have been at the place where children are sacrificed, calling out to those who are in rebellion against God. Be ye reconciled to God. There's something about actually going there that bestirs the heart and then says, instead of telling people it would be a good thing to go, if you feel led to go, then, you know, just go. Um, and most pastors don't even do that. Most pastors don't recommend um, abortion mill ministry. They don't even think about it. It's not, it's not even on the radar. It wasn't on mine before I was challenged to go by my brother in Christ. And so, but for, for pastors to, to actually go themselves and then say, hey, I was out there this week. This is what it was like. And, and then encourage the, the, the brothers and sisters to, hey, let's, let's, take, a, let, let's take a time and, 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 and you can go out with us. That kind of invitation is going to be much more, much more powerful than telling people that, hey, Christians should be going out and doing this because you're actually doing it yourself. I remember someone coming up to me and saying, hey, I, I, I keep telling people, you know, that fellow Christians, that they should be going out there. And I said, have you been out there? And he said, no. And I said, why don't you go yourself and then invite people to come with you rather than telling them to do something that you have never done? That there's something practical about actually putting into practice what we want other people to do. And so that is another thing in the trenches to actually say, where is it happening? Is it happening in my area? It's happening. Uh, is it happening, uh, you know, where I can go? Maybe not, maybe not every day, maybe not every week, but it, can I get over there and make time to see the place of death, to sit where they sit, to, to stand and open my mouth? That is, that is another way that a pastor can really um, impact the body. And then say, hey, no, I'm just going to let you know, I'm going out this Saturday of a month or on this day, this weekday of a month. If anyone is free, come with me. And then you can share what it's like. This is a battle. When you do, when you stand for, when you stand and shine light, there will be people who will hate the light and love because they love the darkness because their deeds are evil. And then, and then, so there's that whole um, other area. It's not just in the political sphere of what laws are we to um, to be calling for, but if there's if there's a gate of death nearby, 
let us also take the gospel um, right there, not at the not only at the state house, but also at the slaughterhouse and then the streets in between. Because in the in our communities, even when the, where there aren't any abortion mills, people are murdering their children. They're going to CVS and Walgreens. They're going they're going out of state. And so if if we bring the truth to bear in our society, bring it to the open air, finding ways to in which to be able to engage with people, then we can trust the Lord to use that and bring forth fruit as He sees fit. So, the, so those are just a, a few of the ways that that uh, that in the trenches we as as pastors can can lay the foundation and and lead the flock in in the fight. Yeah, that's that's really really good. We have to lead from the front. Right? We have to lead from the front, and so uh, that's that is huge. I uh, so. Um, I have I have one more question that I I just want us to touch on briefly, but before I do that, so if, if I was going to sum up some of the principles we've laid out here, maybe we say you know work you know and and this is something pastors should do, and then we could even say this is something everybody could do: work to create a culture um, in in your discipleship relationships, whatever they might be, where where debate and discussion uh, surrounding the word is is uh, a good thing where uh, skin learns to be thick, so that you can you can dive into these things and 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 work through them. Um, yeah, definitely that policy of of uh, trying to help people learn to yield to the word and then to to wield it. Uh, teaching, not being afraid of of teaching on on the evils of the day and the and and you know teaching robust biblical worldviews um, that include all institutions, you know, including the government, and then leading from the front, leading from the front. I think those are all really good things. Anything else on on, on that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears a little bit here right at the end uh, with one more question, but anything else on this that you guys would want to add to real fast? I would just want to add to the element of pastoral prayer in the worship service. Um, some many modern churches have gotten away from that where you have a actual time of pastoral prayer in the service but if uh your church has that that is a great opportune time to as you're praying pray specifically about whatever number of issues that you yes. do but include this in it at least at times um Asking God to protect the innocent, to protect the unborn children, asking God to stop the hands of the wicked as they reach out to do evil and uh, make use of things like the imprecatory prayers we have in the Psalms and apply them to those who would seek to take innocent life and things like that. And that that could be and is a very powerful thing, I think, when pastors do that um, and the congregation is hearing how the pastor is praying. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Stefan, right. uh, Stefan, was there anything that you wanted to add before I kind of switch gears? Uh, no big, if, if not, but I mean, there's been a lot of good stuff that you guys have shared here. Yeah. Um, and I just want to hammer that, that point where uh, if a pastor isn't clear on these issues, then the congregation isn't going to be clear on it. And so the pastor yes. needs to, get in the word and wrestle with these issues and come out on the other end clear so he can then lead his flock in that way. And, and I think what many pastors will find, I know pastoral life is busy, but I think what many pastors will find is uh, it doesn't take long uh, 
it doesn't take a lot of time in the word just to find out answers to many of the core questions that uh, the abolition movement is bringing up like um human life starts at conception fully right fully human from conception um the or that the that the abortion mill is the same as the abortion pill, right? It, it ends right. in the same thing. Right. Murder is the is the end product of that. So right. uh, just get get in the word and and make sure if you're a pastor that you're clear on these things so you can lead your flock. Absolutely. And also just be um, be aware um, as as pastors as those who are going into this area that those who do this become marked um by by the enemy i i know of pastors who have gone into gone into um standing against abortion publicly standing against abortion at the abortion mills standing against abortion you know engaging for for legislation who have who have had um have had suffering and god says yea in all the hula of god in christ jesus shall suffer persecution and so we should be ready. And as as uh, as those in the host of the Lord, we should not be surprised that there are adversaries, and that we are to be ready to uh, to trust the Lord as our shield and to trust in Him um, for to be glorified even in um, various areas of of suffering or opposition. That we need to be ready as as His ministers to guide the flock in that as well because if you go for instance to an abortion mill you will very likely if it, depending on the day of the week and the place where you are that there may be people there who will curse who will mock who will try to um, revile you and we need to be ready to um, leap for joy even as we weep over the sin say lord you use this for, for your glory, um, and be willing to be called um, all sorts of stigmas for the truth of the Lord, and and so we need to not shy away from that. I I, I know of one brother who is a pastor who told me, I want I saw the the, the struggles that another pastor had when, when when we were both at this church. And, and there were struggles that came, attacks that came, and, and I, I really don't want to bring that in, into my flock. And so to, so to avoid the, um, the attacks that I know will happen, I'm not going to engage in that area. And it was, that was a hard thing for, for me to, to hear that from a brother and then to turn around and challenge him and say, does God say to not do what is right when there is going to be an attack? Does he say, oh, don't, don't say what I say if the world will hate you? Because he tells us the world will hate us. He doesn't say, so keep your mouth shut. When it says in, in Amos that they hate him that rebuketh in the gate, that just a few verses later it's telling them, establish justice in the, in the, in the gate. Hate evil and, and love good and seek justice and all these things, even though just a few minutes later, I mean, earlier, it was saying, they will they will react they will hate and so we just need to be ready that 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 in some form is very likely and and have uh, and be ready to to guide um, guide the church 
and trust the Lord who is overall um, to bless through it and uh, and work even what others intend for evil for good. Yeah, that's that is so good, and and, and that's actually that actually kind of uh, segues into this last question that I have for you guys. Uh, the, so I'm 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 imagining that there are some people who are listening and they're 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 hearing this, and then they're thinking, I wish I had a pastor who was standing up, and I wish I had a pastor who was an abolitionist, and I don't. And uh, I'm I, you know that can be a frustrating place for a lot of people as well to be um, uh, a church member and uh, not in a position of authority. Or leadership to be able to to kind of turn this ship, you know, at a, at a church. So imagine for a moment, you're a pastor, you're not an abolitionist, um, and your church member comes to you and wants to bring this to you and wants to encourage you to to become this this pastor. How? What would you give? What what kind of advice would you give to a church member who's listening right now who wishes they had a pastor who was standing up for abolition, um, and they're not? How would you uh, advise them and give them counsel to 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 go to their pastor? Because we want to respect the office. We want to we want to be uh, you know elders are worthy of honor um, by virtue of their their office, and so we want to respect that. But what are some things that you would say? This is how I would respond well, or this is what I would be hoping would happen, and this is how I would best be able to be swayed, or, or whatever you know those types of questions. Real real fast for like four or five minutes. Just what are some basic principles you might give people for that? Well, I mean, so I guess the first thing to consider is uh, that your pastor gets emails and texts all the time about various issues. Uh, um, uh, it's something that uh, he has to work through. Sometimes it takes a little bit. But, yeah, if you're just encouraging, uh, if you just bring up the texts that are applicable, uh, maybe give him some literature that he can work through. Um, yeah, just just lead him that direction. Don't don't let uh, maybe his inaction in this area prohibit you from taking action and then judge. Okay. What, what is his opposition? I don't, I don't know. I think there's different levels of opposition maybe in that case where maybe he just, again, he hasn't looked into the issue enough. Um, maybe he's involved in other things that uh, are taking most of his time, but, but there, there may be a time when his exegetical, um, conclusion is is wrong is like very wrong and he, he's not standing for life and in that case i guess you would have to consider um whether or not you should should change churches i mean i, I don't say that lightly i mean i think that is a yeah. a heavy thing to consider but um i think the first steps are just confront go to him uh and with gentleness and and kindness and appreciation just explain the issue to him that's really, really good, it's especially and 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 I want to hear what you and Josh, what you and Kevin have to say too. But especially the 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 willingness to understand that that um, your pastor probably has uh, not just one thing he's burdened about, or or not just one person who's got something that they want him to look into, but probably has you know scores of those. And so, uh, yeah, remembering that, um, you know, even even if he's open to it, even if he's open to abolition, even if he's open to to reading and studying, that uh, that he might have uh, a bunch of other things that he has to get through first before he can do that. That's a really that's a really good way to be gracious to your pastor and still try to pastor your pastor. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Anything, Joshua or Kevin, that you would add to that? 
No, I think that's really good. I, I don't think there's really much to add, but just to say that along with what you're talking about, just requires patience. And um, so just be patient with him uh, because of those things you guys said, I think was really good. Yeah, I would, I would certainly um, encourage long suffering and, and just be the person who is, who is uh, speaking the truth bringing things out um not being just uh waiting for someone else to bring up the conversation um i i i try to be ready to um to share what is what is the biblical view on on this um at the drop of a hat and, and sometimes i'll drop the hat uh myself and bring up the those things um and and just share because it is it's good for for uh for elders, for pastors to know, you know, what, what, what is, uh, what's going on in the, in the hearts of the, of the flock and, and the, the ministry that we engage in. When I first uh, started coming in after being married and was coming into a, a church in a new area that I had known for, for many years and coming back in, and there was not a, there was not a, an abortion ministry. There was not that there was a pro-life, but not, not, not really, um, active. And this was before the, uh, abolition movement, um, was really reignited in regards to abortion. And, and I, I told my wife, well, our church does have a ministry for the preborn because we're part of this church and we are at the gates of death. Right. And so, um, instead of just throwing it off on them, and um and you know buzzing out uh we just we're going ourselves as as christians and we were part of that body and then when then whenever we had opportunity people said hey would you do this week i could share what we did and we told we we let the leadership know that what we were doing the people we talked with the gospel that was declared to these people and and this mom that's turned away from killing her child and and so it began just to um, bring it up so that um, and, and we are sought to be patient. You know, God, God has said he's uh, long suffering, holding his hands outstretched to a stubborn and disobedient people all the day long. And we were learning long suffering, you know, holding out our hands and calling out to moms who were going in to murder the children who would curse at us as we were as we were sharing the truth that that is needed. And uh would we not be long suffering for our brothers and sisters? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it doesn't speak well for me if I can be long suffering with the pagans, but not with my own family in Christ. And so it's good to, to, uh, to be patient and, um, and persistent. Um, you know, there's a, there's the parable of the, of the unjust judge and the widow. Let us be those who are, are widows, not that, the, that we view the leadership as being unjust intentionally, but bringing the truth again and again, um, with, in, uh, with, uh, importunity so that, and then trust the spirit to, to bring, um, to bring, um, quickening of understanding in that area, uh, or, or, or action and so but just to trust the lord and have our expectation be from him and then and then be those who are who are being um bold for christ and encouraging others including 
including the church, uh, the pastor, to to uh, to know what's going on and to join us, to encourage them. Yeah, I can, I can, thoughts. I can absolutely. Uh, uh, so I say amen to all that, and I can absolutely say that that uh, being a pastor of a church uh, that pastors their pastors um, has been uh, a, a huge blessing. And there have been many times where it has been because of the the patience and the kindness and the gentleness, but the persistence of of people in uh, my church that I've uh, I've had I've had the time, the bandwidth, and the graciousness uh, to to not feel like I was condemned for taking so long to get back to them on whatever, and it's brought me around on things at times. And and so uh, yeah, I mean I think good pastors want to want to listen to uh their people and and want to see the wisdom there and and you know i know we hear horror stories all the time of pastors who are tyrants and who uh really play up the 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 clergy laity uh divide and things like that and but um i, I really i really love everything you guys have said and uh and it it, it definitely reflects that your your heart is one to 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 be pastored and to be corrected and i think that's what makes a good pastor so that's neat to hear well i uh we, we've gone a little long here, longer than we normally do at least, and uh, but this has all been really, really good, and I really appreciate you guys for being on here. So uh, thank you again. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing all of you guys uh, at the Capitol on the 15th. And so for our listeners, Amen. Um, our listeners, uh, Wednesday the 15th at Jeff City at the Capitol um, in the Rotunda at 1 p.m., we are having our annual abolition rally, annual Abolish Abortion Missouri rally. And uh, Rusty Thomas is going to be there speaking. We've got a bunch of other speakers. We're going to sing. We're going to fellowship. Uh, we're going to shout the message of, of abolition. And uh, we're going to plead with our lawmakers to to uh, pass these couple of bills that we have, one in the House and one in the Senate. And we're going to plead with them to, to get them to committee and to pass them. So uh, this is, you know, just want to remind you all of all the actionable items that we've got going on. Please continue to call uh, Dean Plocker and Caleb Rowden and ask them to assign uh, these bills to committee. Uh, please continue to um, encourage other people to do that and, uh, and, and spread the message that way because this is, this is the next step. We can't get any further until then. Also, uh, like we always like to say, um, we, we really do need uh, donations. We, 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 can't, uh, we can't keep pushing uh, in the manner in which we've been pushing without help. And so we need y'all's help. We need y'all's help when it comes to spreading the message. We also need uh, the help to finance this mission. This is a mission worth financing. So you can go and, uh, to our website, uh, www.abolishabortionmo.org, and you can uh, donate to us. You can also, of course, like and share and subscribe to our, our newsletter and our website. We encourage all of that. And uh, we really look forward to seeing you all if you're, if you're able to be there on the 15th, if you're able to be there. So this has Amen. been this has been the Abolish Abortion Missouri podcast where we believe children are a heritage from the Lord and we are working toward the immediate and total abolition of abortion in Missouri. We thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you again for being on here with me and working through these things. Uh, Stefan, uh, I've never met you in person, so I'm really looking forward to be able to meet you on the 15th. I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's going to be uh, a joy for sure. Hey, man, looking forward to that. 
and and you know kevin you as well obviously it's always a joy to get to see you and i just invite everybody else all the rest of our listeners come and and let's get together and and fellowship and shake hands and and sing together and worship together and and work together yes on the 15th it'll be it'll be a joy so um, I think we have just about exhausted this topic, at least for today. So uh, as we always as we always like to close out, we're going to wrap things up. And we just want to remind you that abortion must be abolished.